Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the show that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto five years ago and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full time. Unchained and Unconfirmed are now published as videos. If you're not yet subscribed to the Unchained YouTube channel, head to youtube.com slash C slash Unchained Podcast and subscribe today. Crypto.com, the crypto super app that lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto. Earn up to 8.5% per year on your Bitcoin. Download the Crypto.com app now. Today's guest is James Slazis, founder and CEO of Liquid Stake and Dharma Capital. Welcome, James. Hi there. Great to be with you. The big news this week was Ethereum 2.0's Beacon Chain launching, which happened on Tuesday, December 1st. As exciting as this was, it presents a little bit of a conundrum for people who may want to participate. How would you describe that challenge and how does Liquid Stake propose to solve it? The, I guess the difficulty of the challenge is, is that um, as somebody stakes the Ether, they are unable to remove it for the next and we're not uh, it's undetermined amount of time, but let's say it's 18 to 36 months. So you don't have any access to that, but you are earning rewards um, as you're staking. And so what we, um, what we did at Dharma Capital and Liquid Stake is basically just come up with a, uh, an offering that enables people to stake through what I would just call world-class validating uh, service providers. And then we provide loans or uh, a swap contract that enables them to then gain liquidity so they can continue to use that asset, you know, let's say for, um, you know, DeFi projects or call it pay, you know, pay your rent, anything. Uh, it, it just basically means that they're able to have their, you know, to be able to stake and then be able to have liquidity. And so walk me through how it works from the perspective of a customer who comes to Liquid Stake. So, um, and so we have two, two different types of customers, right? Um, the first uh, liquid stake would be an individual and they want to stake. They may or may not have chosen a service provider and a service provider is um, uh, a team that's created the software so that you can actually validate um, blocks, right? Um, and so they would go, in, go into our website go through an AML KYC process. After they're approved, then they would um, either choose this validating service provider. Um, uh, we've, we've partnered with Bison Trails, uh, Consensus, and uh, Figment. And uh, so they would send the ether in. We would stake it through that validating service provider. And we would hold those keys. I'll, I'll explain why we, we do that. And and we would then go and stake the the ether onto uh, go into the deposit contract, you know, on, onto the beacon chain. 
And as those, you know, so then it's Dharma or liquid stake, basically holding those, uh, that ether um, and being responsible for all the um, validating of the blocks. And then from there, they would go to a dashboard that would say, here's how much your assets are worth. And they would be able to then um, gain a loan from that. And, and how much and can they take time, out? Uh, 35%. And, um, and basically over time, as the market moves, there'll be either be a margin call or it, as the asset grows in value, uh, let's say either from price or from um, additional accrual of uh, rewards, then they can take out additional uh, monies if they want. And so for that instance of when the dollar value of someone's stake drops below the amount that they've borrowed, what happens? So that's the, the difficult part here. So as I was alluding to that, that we hold the keys to, uh, to the ether. So we, we, we have to be able to do that so that we can actually control this uh, staked ether in the deposit contract. If the market had dropped and we had sent out different, you know, uh, margin call requests, um, you know, the, the, uh, the user wasn't unable to, to supply any more collateral, it would go through a liquidation. And liquidation for this type of contract um, is a little bit different. Um, and it does sound severe. Um, and it's basically that if the market goes down to that level, we have an, uh, an immediate uh, liquidation event. And, and the reason for that is that the ether is all locked up. There isn't a trading market for this. And so once it touches that, goes down to that level, what we're having to do is we're having to basically journal over those assets to our fund, meaning that we're purchasing them. And then we're in the open market uh, potentially selling uh, freely traded ether. So it's a, a little bit different than if you had a, a freely traded asset that goes down to the liquidation level, uh, then they're able to work it out a little bit, a little bit easier. Like you would see different prints on a, on an exchange or over the counter. So their entire stake is liquidated. Uh, the amount of, of whatever their loan is. It's it, oh, okay. it basically, they, it's not that they lose their, their assets. I, I just, when I say severe, I just mean that it happens immediately at that price level. But um, it's obviously, we're only entitled to get paid back the, the loan amount. Um, so it would just be that, you know, the rest uh, obviously would get delivered back to them once we reach uh, phase 1.5 or, or basically Ether is able to be removed from the deposit contract. Okay. So Dharma Capital gets the ETH that is liquidated. Right. So we, and we, we purchased that. But we, we purchased that um, during that liquidation process. And is that the main way that Liquid Stake and Dharma Capital are making money from this? Or do you also charge fees in addition? Yeah, that's actually, we don't, we don't expect to make um, much money off of that. And, and uh, I mean, on, on both sides of it, it's, it's not, we're not looking to um, have all these great liquidation events. Um I would say our perspective is that as um, ETH2 gets validated, that's going to be very positive for Ethereum. It's going to continue to grow the ecosystem. And I would assume that that would mean you'd have a market appreciation. 
right? So, so rather than thinking that we're going to have a severe, uh, you know, downturn, um, I think that this should actually, as this gets validated more and more, it, you know, it will increase the value. Uh, for us, we just charge an interest rate. So, um, you know, currently we're charging 13 and a half percent. And, uh, and the difference in, in how we're lending uh, the money is that typical lenders in the market receive assets, they give out a loan, and they take those assets then and lend them out to somebody else, right? And then they earn a, a rate off of that. Uh, for us, obviously, because these assets are all locked up into the contract, can't be lent out, um, we're, we're not doing that other side of it. So rehypothecation isn't occurring. Um, and, and essentially what that just means is, one, we don't have that other counterparty risk, but also we don't gain the benefits of being able to charge, uh, earn a reward, you know, uh, interest rate off of that. And how do you determine the price of ETH to both make a loan as well as to liquidate? So obviously the, the biggest driver is the, the cash market of, of Ether. And, and what we do is we take a discount to that cash market. So we use a, a 15% discount to that. And, and what that is, is basically because the Ether isn't tradable um, and whoever does buy that has to hold it until phase 1.5, there's these encumbrances on it, right? Um, and, and so um, currently that's what, uh, how we're, what we do is we take the spot, discount it by 15%, and then that's the value of, of the Ether, uh, staked Ether collateral. And how are you determining what the spot price is? Uh, so what we do is we take the midpoint of um, four different exchanges. So we take uh, Binance, Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken. And we use that, the mid, midpoint price um, as the value for, for what uh, Ether is trading at. And what if there's like a flash crash or something in one of those exchanges? Um, if there is a flash crash, I mean, uh, every, you know, long tail event, um, it's, it's, it's part of what we have to, to look at. I mean, if all four of those exchanges all did go down to, you know, a low level, we would have to liquidate. Um, I, I would say inherently in our structure, because we have that immediate liquidation, if it were to go down, severely let's you know let's just say um you know 99 percent um somebody's already been liquidated much earlier than that right they've been liquidated at that 15 point you know uh decline um so it is it is a risk actually that that we take on uh for for doing that but uh but obviously if we saw something where it was like this in a few seconds and basically comes up that's something that we're just gonna we'll have to look at as it uh, what goes on in the market. So in a moment, we're going to discuss the institutional offering. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Crypto.com, the crypto super app that lets you buy, earn and spend crypto all in one place. Earn up to 8.5% per year on your BTC. Download the Crypto.com app now to see the interest rates you could be earning on BTC and more than 20 other coins. Once in the app, you can apply for the Crypto.com Metal Card, which pays you up to 8% cash back instantly. Reserve yours now in the Crypto.com app. 
back to my conversation with James Slazis. In addition to retail customers, you are also serving institutional clients. What types of institutions can stake using liquid stake and Dharma Capital? An institution under the CFC, CFTC guidelines is consult, uh, called an ECP, an eligible contract participant. And, and it basically equates to a, a similar idea of what accredited investors are. And the institutions, uh, so in, in, from a jurisdiction standpoint, obviously, as, as long as it's not a, a restricted jurisdiction, any institution would be able to, to participate. Uh, Dharma goes through the process of reporting to the regulators. Um, we use the, the CME's um, uh, swap data repository as, as a way that we supply all that data to the, to the CFTC. And I, I would say that the, um, so the, and the, the differences of why one might use liquid stake versus Dharma Capital is that we offer to the institutions a swap contract. And so swaps have been around for a number of years and they have good clarity on regulatory and tax uh, treatment. Can you define what a total return swap is? A total return swap is essentially just you, you have two counterparties, one's paying a, uh, a return and the other one is paying, uh, let's call it a competing return. And, and the net of those two makes the payment, uh, payment flows. So in, the, in this scenario, you would have that someone is staking their ether, let's say paying an interest rate on a, on a loan amount. Uh, so that's their pay side. Um, from the Dharma Capital side, we're paying out the return of the ether staked. Uh, and so what we do is, is essentially just have that contract, those two payments net out each other. And we obviously assume that there'll be a larger amount of payment out of the rewards that are earned from from staking. And you mentioned that there's more tax and regulatory clarity uh, for these total return swaps. Can you describe that? Sure. Uh, so the the um, obviously staking and rewards is a very new topic for Treasury, IRS. And so um, there's a lot of different groups within the community. Um, I would say one, uh, the Proof of Stake Association, POSA, has been called leading the charge of being able to help define that. And today, as you stake, it isn't actually clear that if you move from Ether 1 to Ether 2, is that a taxable event, right? And, and so you can just imagine people owning Ether at a dollar. That's a, a huge impact if that becomes a taxable event. Additionally, um, when is when are rewards treated as um, uh, income or are they treated as income even? So is it as you earn them the next taxable year or when you dispose of them? Um, again, there's a, there isn't, there isn't clarity today. And, and so that was really the genesis uh, from the institutional side of, of why we came up with the swaps. Uh, it was basically to say, we can take that on. Um, and, uh, for Dharma capital, we're based in Puerto Rico. Uh, so we, we actually don't have a, a capital gains tax. And so we're able to take on that side of the risk and, um, and then we provide that, you know, that format to, to the institution. 
And why did you decide on USDC as the stablecoin that your loans will be denominated in? And I, and I would say today it is uh, USDC. We're 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 definitely looking at other other ways of of providing the the financing. For us, it's really been a lot from a regular regulatory perspective. Um, every everything that that drives us is first, what's the regulatory clarity, and then we start to look at the asset itself. Um, uh, so USDC, we felt very comfortable. I, I would just say that it's it hasn't been clear, and uh, with Tether, uh, so even though it has a larger market cap and and maybe used more. It just it was easier for us to do that with our our funding groups. And so, what other stable coins are you looking at adding? Potentially, uh, you know, there may be something with uh, Maker MakerDAO and 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 Dai. Um, I would also say, given um, call it the Stable Act and and uh, and things that are going on there, I assume we'll see a lot more um, banks being involved in the in the stablecoin market. We actually have an initiative that that is enabling banks to do this that we'll be bringing online, and so I think that you'll you'll have those kinds of stable coins being issued uh, more from federally chartered institutions versus uh, people spinning up a, a different kind of stable, you know, just a stable coin, you know, group. Yeah, and just to be clear for listeners, the Stable Act was just proposed by Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. And um, yes, it would uh, put a lot of different requirements on stablecoin issuers, but it's just a bill. It's just a proposal at this point. Uh, nothing's been passed. Aside from liquid stake and other centralized solutions, there are also decentralized ways for people to get a loan on their staked ETH2. What are the pros and cons of a centralized solution over a decentralized one? So, and we and we looked at how to solve this, uh, and obviously we were looking at this well before the Genesis block. And so it was essentially, how do we ensure that we reach that 259,000 ether to launch Genesis, right? And, and so we looked at this and saying, okay, we know that the, the time period is going to be a year and a half, maybe it's three years. Uh, so it's a shortened, in my in my mind, it would be a shortened trade, um, and how to just help facilitate people to get in, um, and that's where we just said, here's a, a centralized solution. It enables people to be able to stake early, and we can you know and can go forward. That centralized, I, I would say, it was basically it got us to market quickly. Um, the decentralized versus centralized side of things. Um, so Dharma uh, is a regulated entity. And so for us to touch decentralized type of products is is basically non-existent, um, m- minus our underlying asset itself. And um, and so as we you know work with different institutions, again, it becomes for them to be able to invest in these types of products makes it diff- more difficult. So um, as you have different decentralized products, it's great from, I would say, the individual community um, being able to have different choices on how can I get this done? Um, as we have different groups that are much larger institutions being involved in the market, again, having that regulatory clarity, uh, being able to invest in certain types of assets, um, it just, uh, 
it was fairly easy for us to say, well, great, here we have a standard swap contract that you know it's under an ISDA agreement through open law, very, um, almost very commonplace, just the underlying is different. And what does that mean, an ISDA agreement through open law? Uh, sorry. Um, so um, I'm, a, I'm a derivative head, so I just I skip a lot of, <laughs> lot of those, lot of those type of things. Um, so ISDA uh, is the International Swap Dealers Association Agreement. And so you can look at this as lots of swap dealers have gotten together and standardized a document that drives this swap agreement. So that that ISDA, um, you know, is a, I don't know, it's probably, you know, 40, 50, 60 pages. And, and so that agreement basically is a driver for everybody to start from a common ground. And then obviously the terms are, are changed. What we've done with Open Law is that um, Open Law is a, is a group um, that has been codifying uh, legal agreements. So it's basically taking all of those terms and then you can have smart contract functionality, i.e. a margin call if price hits here. And it can be driven right off of the contract. Um, and so uh, Aaron Wright, who who heads that up, ha- has been fantastic. We um, we've we've put together a great structure that drives this from a an onboarding process and then an ongoing process with what the what the agreement writes. And there are other crypto systems that you are partnering with, Filecoin, Figment Networks, and Luca. Can you just briefly describe how you're using those as well? So the the what we call we reference as VSPs, validating service providers. Um, so today we work with Bison Trails, uh, Consensus is Codify, and and Figment um, for that that software that actually stakes the ether. All right, so they're the ones that are really managing that process of um, validating blocks. You know, and we've already even seen. You know, not not from from those three, but we've already seen slashing events occur because people have been trying to uh, you know to validate on the ETH chain, and um, and basically had had tried to propose two blocks at the same time. Um, we also um, we work with Filecoin. Um, Filecoin basically takes the open law uh, agreements, right, and then puts an encrypted hash onto the uh, you know, onto their network. Um, and, and in addition to that, we we actually have a, a swap facility for Filecoin. And it's it's basically to help encourage uh, miners to be able to borrow Filecoin because today the, the rates are astronomically high. And so we basically are trying to help the that network to continue growing and, and not not be so uh, so expensive. Um, another Another partner of ours um, is Luca. Luca ha- really has been driving a ton of our regulatory reporting side of things. And that's uh, basically, again, as we start to touch all of these different regulatory issues, um, they've just been key for, for helping us in, in navigating that. Uh, and I, I, would, I would have to absolutely say that um, probably the... The, one of the biggest partners that we've leaned on a lot um, is uh, Balance, our our custodian, 
And I actually think, to my knowledge, they're the only ones in North America that are able to hold uh, the uh, uh, BLS keys, the, the with withdrawal keys in the deposit contract for us. Staking Ether is a little bit com more complicated. You have this um, validator key, you have the withdrawal key, um, and that withdrawal key obviously isn't going to be touched for the next year and a half to, to three years or so. Um, so they've um, they's all, they have also been phenomenal in, in helping with us. Liquid Stake is not registered with the CFTC, nor is it a member of NFA, the self-regulatory organization for the U.S. derivatives industry. How are you able to do this from a lending perspective, from a regulatory perspective? Sure. So, and, and, and that's where, so Dharma Capital um, issues swaps, right? And then, so those derivatives are um, all, they all come from Dharma Capital. Liquid stake isn't entering into any swaps. They are um, uh, basically just loan contracts to individuals. So it's a, we, we make sure to, um, uh, I guess, call it bi bifurcate um, which, you know, who, which is the counterparties and the, the loan documentation or the swap documentation. And then um, we're able, what we do is we um, provide these USDC loans in jurisdictions where it doesn't have to be a registered um, entity. And how much money has been staked via liquid stake so far? So we won't start lending um, until the 15th. Um, and so currently it's just been, uh, Dharma putting ether in to, to be a part of the, the Genesis block. Um, but what we've done is we've allocated $50 million to the lending facility. So th that'll either, and that'll be a component, both of, um, swap and, and loan contracts. All right. Great. Well, it's been great having you on Unconfirmed. This has been great. Thank you. Don't forget, next up is the weekly news recap. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. First headline, Ethereum 2.0's Beacon Chain is live. On Tuesday at noon UTC, the Ethereum 2.0 Beacon Chain launched after years of anticipation, ushering in the blockchain's next era. The Beacon Chain launch is phase zero of Ethereum's multi-step upgrade to a more scalable blockchain. There are still many technical hurdles to surpass, including sharding and rollup adoption, before the chain will be fully operational. However, as of press time, there are almost 1 million ETH staked, almost double the number that were required for the launch. If you're wondering about staking's risks and rewards, for staking 1 ETH, validators are currently earning around 0.14 ETH per month, or $8.50, with the amount expected to decrease as the number of participants rises. However, any Ether staked on the chain will be locked up for months and potentially even years. Staking also entails software risks as well as the possibility that you could lose your initial deposit if you fail to keep up with the network. Despite some suggestions that current DeFi rewards may be a better bet, exchanges are already intending to support Ethereum 2 staking. Coinbase has announced it will support ETH2 staking and trading to eligible jurisdictions starting early next year while also allowing customers to convert ETH to ETH2 and earn staking rewards. Binance, likewise, announced an ETH2 staking service that would be live on December 2nd with daily rewards distributed in the form of BETH tokens. Next headline, Bitcoin hits a new all-time high. 
Bitcoin reached $19,850 on Monday morning, inching past the previous record set in December 2017. Chainalysis attributed the rise to institutional investors purchasing steadily over time and then taking the money off exchanges to hold. An analysis by Coinmetrics beginning in November illustrated that the recent upwards price movements have been occurring mostly during U.S. market hours, further supporting the thesis that institutional investors are the ones pushing the price up. When tracking the Bitcoin price against notable events of institutional interest, such as MicroStrategies and Square's purchases of Bitcoin, PayPal's integration of Bitcoin, and well-known traditional investors Bill Miller and Stan Druckenmiller expressing confidence in Bitcoin, a clear trend line emerges. Another data point showing or supporting the theory that institutional investor interest is driving the price up is that there is a lack of public interest in Bitcoin compared to late 2017. The amount of Bitcoin-related tweets is far below levels at that time and has been relatively flat for the last two years. Media mentions and searches are also at lower levels than during the previous bull run. Neil Ferguson, writing in Bloomberg, cited the pandemic as a catalyst for increased adoption in Bitcoin this year. He noted that the explosion of stimulus dollars underscored Bitcoin's value due to its scarcity. And he said that this was all happening already amidst a shift towards digital payments. He went on to say that the incoming Biden administration should not seek to develop a, quote, Chinese-style digital dollar, but instead, quote, should recognize the benefits of integrating Bitcoin into the U.S. financial system, which, after all, was originally designed to be less centralized and more respectful of of individual privacy than the systems of less free societies. Metrics show Bitcoin and Ethereum activity is heating up. Online metrics are showing an increase in activity on the Bitcoin and Ethereum networks. The Block's director of research, Larry Cermak, posted a comprehensive data summary to Twitter, showing, quote, almost everything we track is reaching all-time highs. Total on-chain volume increased to 51.5% to a new yearly high of $204 billion in November, with minor revenue growing 48% over the previous month for Bitcoin and 22% for Ethereum. Stablecoins, in particular, have more than tripled in 2020, with Cermak citing DeFi and Tether collateralized derivatives as main factors. A study by Blockchain Capital, a survey by Blockchain Capital, also shows increasing awareness and adoption among the general public. More than one in three Americans interviewed said they're likely to buy Bitcoin in the next five years, and 41% of Americans found it likely that most people will be using Bitcoin in the next 10 years. Next headline, U.S. Congressional Bill Would Require Bank Charters for Stablecoin Issuers. In the U.S., Congress has presented a bill that would require stablecoin issuers to secure bank charters and regulatory approval before issuing any stablecoins. The bill is designed to protect individuals, according to Representative Rashida Tlaib, who said, quote, Preventing cryptocurrency providers from repeating the crimes against low- and moderate-income residents of color traditional big banks have is critically important. Circle co-founder and CEO Jeremy Allaire responded to the news on Twitter, saying, quote, Forcing crypto, fintech, and blockchain companies into the enormous regulatory burdens of Federal Reserve and FDIC regulation and supervision is inconsistent with the goals of supporting innovation in the fair and inclusive delivery of payments that comes from stablecoins. Next headline, Visa partners with Circle Internet Financial to connect to USDC. Next year, Visa's card network of 60 million merchants will be connected to stablecoin USDC. Visa will be the first corporate card to allow businesses to spend a balance of USDC. Visa does not plan to custody the stablecoin at this time, 
Although effective immediately, Circle will begin working with Visa to integrate USDC software with its platforms. According to Visa head of crypto, Kui Sheffield, quote, we continue to think of Visa as a network of networks. Blockchain networks and stablecoins like USDC are just additional networks. So we think that there's a significant value that Visa can provide to our clients, enabling them to access them and enabling them to spend at our merchants. Next headline, Crypto News Roundup. More than $4 billion worth of cryptocurrency, including $3.8 billion of BTC, was seized by Chinese police during a crackdown on the PLUS token Ponzi scheme, with the Chinese court saying that the seized crypto, quote, will be processed pursuant to laws and forfeited to the national treasury. In collaboration with crypto startup Luca, the S&P Dow Jones Indices plans to launch two index products, which will enable asset management firms to build their own crypto-based investment products. The Libra Association announced the adoption of a new name, DM, as well as several executive appointments ahead of its eventual launch. After its chief executives were charged with violations of the Bank Secrecy Act by the Department of Justice, 100X Group, which runs BitMEX, appointed Alexander Hopner as its chief executive officer. Hopner was formerly CEO of Bors Stuttgart and EUAX. Time for fun bits! A strong crypto showing in Forbes 30 Under 30 2021 list. Forbes published its annual 30 Under 30 list celebrating young entrepreneurs. Several blockchain and crypto stars made the cut in the finance and venture capital categories. Among the crypto heavyweights on this year's list were Volt Capital's Suna Amaz, a previous guest on Unchained, FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried, another previous guest, Augur co-founder Joey Krug, another previous guest, Coinless co-founder Brian Tubergen, and Bitcoin core developer Amiti Uderwar, among others. You can also read an in-depth write-up on the crypto-centric names on the list at Decrypt. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. To learn more about James, Liquid Stake, and Dharma Capital, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. Don't forget, we are now on YouTube. Subscribe to the Unchained Podcast YouTube channel today. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, Bossy Baker, Shashank, and the team at CLK Transcription. Thanks for listening. <laughs>